Have you ever found yourself in the situation with your intimate partner where you feel like you're not experiencing the type of connection and intimacy you are expecting? In fact, you get to the point where you are basically begging for intimacy, only to be told that either you want too much or that you're at fault in some way that they are withholding? There's a term for that. And in today's episode, I'll share that term and unpack what's happening as my guest and I discuss how this played out in her intimate partnership. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast, and I'm on mission to help as many people as I can find clarity, peace, and empowerment, and I'd love to help you. If you'd like to be on my podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out to me and get on my calendar. I'll have the link in my show notes. Also, I'd love to encourage you to stick around to the end of the episode where I'm going to share an exciting new opportunity for us to take this podcast into a true community experience. The word of the day is intimacy anorexia. According to Healthline.com, intimacy anorexia is a term coined by psychologist Dr. Doug Weiss to explain why some people, quote, actively withhold emotional, spiritual, and sexual intimacy from a partner. Now, while intimacy anorexia is not something I specialize in, gaslighting is almost always a tool that people use to enable them to withhold the intimacy and keep their partner in the relationship. They do this by finding ways to blame you for the lack of intimacy, whether that be physical, sexual, emotional, or spiritual intimacy. Taylor's story is a clear depiction of this experience. So who is Taylor? Before I uh, invite her to share her story, let me tell you a little bit about Taylor. Taylor is a woman who is balancing work, involvement in her faith community, and the things she loves, like traveling, being outdoors, dancing, crafting, and designing and fixing things in her house. Recently, she has fought bravely to free herself from the trauma of her past, which is what led her to bring the story that she's sharing with us today. It's an experience so many people have had, including yours truly, and yet almost no one talks about it. So thank you, Taylor. I'm so looking forward to sharing your story today. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it too. Yay, yay, yay. So let's go ahead and dive into your story. And, you know, I was thinking as I was kind of preparing for this episode that um, in order for people to get the impact of the, the component that I would really wanted to focus on today from your story, I thought it would be really helpful to get the content, not the content, the context of the story, right? So um, I was hoping you'd be willing to share with my listeners a little bit of the backstory of who your gaslighter is and how y'all met, and some of the things that you shared with me um, in your notes that you sent me. Oh, yes. Uh, so my ex-husband and I met at church and he, we, him and I dated for a year and eight months and he was the perfect boyfriend. He mm-hmm. took me out, um, to on dates. He planned dates. He picked me up. He opened my door. Uh, I think if I was more healthy at the time, I would have noticed red flags, mm-hmm. but I did not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we eventually got married and Instantly on our honeymoon, I noticed things that I did not know before, mm-hmm. like how one night I woke up at 2 a.m. and he had drank half a bottle of rum. Wow. And I had no idea that he drank that much in general. Right. So, that's, not a small amount, that, that's not a small yeah. amount of liquor to hold. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, four months into our marriage, I found or this. I found messages from this woman on my Facebook because I don't go on social media very often. Mm-hmm. She had sent them when we got engaged, but I just found them uh, four months into our marriage. And she sent me pictures of messages that between him and her that were, there was like 30 different pictures wow. of messages. And yeah. there was a actual picture that he had sent her mm-hmm. of him with a cell phone and a Fitbit that he had gotten while we were dating. Okay. And so for me, I was trying to think, how could this not have happened while we were dating? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but to come to find out later, you know, he was lying to me because mm-hmm. he was uh, trying to convince me that it 
didn't happen. It was an ex-girlfriend who was jealous and she wanted to uh, just hurt him. She had saved these messages from when they were in college. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then there was that. And then, um, so I I wanted to believe him. I had only been married to him for four months. Right. (laughs) You had just put all your eggs in one basket, right? Like you had like signed on the dotted line. Like, and I know in your notes, you even told me that he, um, and and I want to point this out because people like, it's hard when you're outside of it to be like, how could I not have seen that? But when you're inside of it, it like makes just enough sense to like cause us to dismiss our gut. Right. So you had told me in your notes, like he convinced you that, that she had Photoshopped those things. Right. So he explained away, however, like unfeasible it is like, okay, really? Like she Photoshopped my Fitbit in, you know, so that she can (laughs) mess up the timeline. Like, you know, it's, it's hard because, because like you said, I wanted to trust him. You were like a brand new baby honeymooner, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not normal, natural to go into that with a distrust, right? So of course, of course, Mm -hmm. who am I going to believe? This person that I don't know or this person that I just married? So it makes makes a lot of sense. And also, I'm sorry that happened. So that timeline, though, also lined up with the other significant thing in your relationship. And what was that? Well, I remember coming home one day from because I I travel for work. Mm -hmm. And I had been gone for three days. And I wanted to have sex when I got back. Normal. And Mm -hmm. he just completely rejected me and told Mm -hmm. me that I was not entitled to have sex every time that I came home. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. I was confused Mm -hmm. (laughs) because to me, (laughs) I was missing him the whole time. And Mm -hmm. I thought maybe he felt the same way Mm -hmm. and that I thought all men wanted sex. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was just a confusing reaction. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. How, for context, how old are you when this happened? Uh, 27. 27. And how old was he? Ish. You don't have to give exact if you're, you know, 25. Okay. So, um, mid twenties, mid, mid 20 something Mm -hmm. couple, um, you know, context, right? Like, yeah, that's normal. Like, I don't think you're like abnormal to think like my (laughs) intimate partner would want to connect with me sexually after being gone for a few days, right? Like that's a normal way for people to want to connect. Yeah. Especially after four months of marriage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And especially like, I know you shared in the notes, like due to your uh, faith system and all that kind of stuff, like y'all did not have sex before you got married, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. you're just like four months into being sexually active mm-hmm. as a couple. Mm-hmm. Right. And to be like, mm, nah, you know, eh, eh. it doesn't like it does not. It doesn't make sense to me. So I get why you were confused. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about how, you know, you had this experience around the four month mark where things started to change, right? Like, um, I know in the notes you told me he stopped wanting to hold your hand, right? He stopped Mm -hmm. wanting to have deep, you know, connected conversations, right? This is when Mm -hmm. you would go and travel for work and then you'd come back and you'd want to connect sexually. And he'd be like, no, you don't get to expect that of me, which is a really weird thing to say. But Mm -hmm. at the time it throws you off because you're like, wait a second, this goes against what i what I thought was kind of normal, natural in a marriage, um, especially of male gendered people, <laughs> like all of that kind of thing. Um, and then you have this stuff coming from this woman, right? These mm-hmm. messages from this woman. And one of the last things you said is, is that you didn't, you know, you, you didn't want to believe that you had married a cheater. Right. Mm-hmm. So you chose to believe your ex. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I make up, that quite a bit happened between that experience, which you told me was in 2016, and then your first kind of D-Day, right, which was in 2020. And for those who aren't familiar with that term, D-Day refers to the day you discover your partner has betrayed you or has an addiction or both, right? So we'll circle back around to the kind of in-between a little bit later. But before we do again for context, would you share with us a little bit about that first D-Day in 2020? 
Yeah, I, I came home from work. Uh, I was on another three day and I, it was like 11 o'clock at night and his phone went off and he was asleep. And so I went over to turn it off and I noticed there was a woman texting him. Mm -hmm. So I opened his phone and found five women texting him mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty, mm, like, how do you say it? Uh, non-sexual. Okay. And so he, but he had been on dates with a couple of them. Okay. Judging by what was in the messages. Okay. But I was willing to forgive it a little bit because it was not sexual. Right. So I really went through this journey of talking to the people that I trusted mm. from church and the people that were just around me trying to help me. And their advice was for me to try to forgive him and move on. Mm. So uh, I really tried to do that for the entire year of 2020. Yeah. And as you can imagine, there's the added stress of 2020. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then in but the entire year, my gut was telling me that something's wrong. Yeah. You know, he was hiding his phone from me. He was unwilling to delete Twitter, which is where he met all these women. Mm -hmm. um, just many things uh, that were just unloving and killed intimacy. And then in February of 2021, during... Uh, the snow apocalypse in Texas. I uh, so I heard him saying in his sleep, which he never talks in his sleep, another woman's name and the word babe. Mm. So after all that, I could just not. I couldn't let it go. Yeah. I had to to look at his phone again. And he was texting six other women this time mm. and it was sexual. So, mm. so it, had progressed. he, it had, he had physically cheated mm. on me. Yes. So, um, after that, I knew that it was an addiction mm -hmm. and because I knew that addictions got worse and worse as time went on. Mm -hmm. And so after that, I knew we needed serious help. Mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I think, you know, one of the things that is important to to talk about here for just a second is that, um, you know, you, re you really tried, right? Like between your faith and the different things that people were saying to you, you know, you thought, you know, it's in my value system to, to try to work this out. He's my husband, all that kind of stuff. And I know you, you tried for about six months, right? And during that time, I'm curious, did you did you think he was also working on himself or was, were you kind of like dragging, you know, like dragging him to the water, so to speak? Like what, which experience was more your experience? Yes, I was dragging him to the water. Okay. But at the time I did, I was not as knowledgeable as I am now about all these things. Gaslighting. I had no idea what gaslighting right. was. I right. didn't know what sex addiction was. I didn't know any of this. Right. I, I didn't know the symptoms of addiction. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, just thought maybe one day he'll get it right and he'll start working at it because mm -hmm. really all I was all I wanted to see was him wanting to work at it right and mm -hmm. he was not even willing to give me that so yeah because by the end of the six months I caught him cheating on me again so yeah. Yeah. after that I was done yeah which you know <sighs> good on you <laughs> Right. Like, um, it's hard. Like, even when we know it's the right thing for us, it's really hard, um, you know, not to keep giving chances and keep giving chances and keep giving chances. And, you know, I'm glad you were able to take that step for yourself. I think um, one of the things that really sticks out to me about thinking about your story um, is this kind of just this hope. You know, you talked about how, you know, you hoped that one day he would just get it. Right. You know, it, it's this interesting thing that, you know, we keep expecting people like our person to just like, it's the logical part of our brain where it's like, we don't understand how somebody else could not think that way. Right. Or how somebody else could not want to, to work to, to save the marriage or could like, it doesn't make any sense 
to our brain. We, we can't connect with that. And that is something that actually keeps people in a relationship often longer, right? Because you just keep thinking they're going to come back around and or um, even more so, I think, maybe not more so, just as equally um, difficult to, to let go of is the person that we first met, right? Like this perfect kind of boyfriend that you had who, who loved you and was probably very affectionate. And, you know, maybe the person that you had the first few months, right? Like Mm -hmm. keep thinking that that is the authentic person and that this other person that you've experienced since then is the inauthentic person. So you keep thinking and hoping that they're going to go back to that person that you knew. Right. And, and unfortunately what a lot of us learn and almost always those of us who end up divorcing and end up learning is actually that the initial thing was more the inauthentic, right? And unfortunately, this, you know, this other behavior is more congruent with how they're behaving on an everyday basis. And the other was just kind of a a mask. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard to let go of. Yes. Every time something would happen, I would go back to our dating relationship in my mind and say, Oh, but he was this way when we were dating, you know, maybe that will happen one day again. Yeah. Yeah. Again, so many, I mean, almost everyone I know thinks that and, you know, is something that keeps them fighting for it. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it ends up that way, but sometimes absolutely not. (laughs) He completely fooled everyone. I mean, he went to church with me too. Yeah. And everyone at church was pretty shocked. Yeah. I can relate to that. <laughs> I can relate to that 100% with my my story for sure. Um and so y'all are divorced now, correct? Mhm. Yeah. Um and okay. Well, thank you um Taylor for sharing that your story to kind of give us context for this next bit. Um so now I'd like to circle back around to this thing that you told me in your notes um that you wrestled with throughout your entire marriage, right? So there there were these different kind of big stories or big discoveries and different things like that, but there was a thing, this thing that you experienced and wrestled with, started 4 months in, lasted the duration of the relationship. Will you share a little bit about what that was with my listeners and me? Yeah, I just, my ex-husband did not want to have sex with me. Mm -hmm. So I would, uh, you know, beg him, plead him. Um, I would walk around naked. I would walk in lingerie. Mm -hmm. I would, I would schedule sex Mm -hmm. (laughs) plenty of, plenty of times. And half the time it felt like he would not remembered Mm -hmm. that we had scheduled it or, I would have to have a fight with him to be able to have it. Or mm-hmm. I, um, he, he wouldn't remember or he would get mad because I was asking and I, and then he, I was expecting him to follow through whenever I had already scheduled right. something. Right. How dare you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Expecting follow through. Jeez, Taylor. Come on. <laughs> I know. And then <laughs> he would also tell me, like, of course I want to have sex with you. Cause I'd be like, what's wrong with you mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you do not want to have sex with me? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's like, but of course I'm doing all these things that are in almost sexual category, but you know, don't actually, aren't actually sex. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just, it's like the half truths, right? Like it's like, or, um, you know, those types of things I would call the mirage. It's like, it looks like it is, but there's something not quite right. Mm -hmm. Right. And one time I remember a therapy session we went into because we did do couples counseling for a little bit and he was gaslighting the therapist Mm. because I would tell her, you know, I'd ask him to have sex and he was watching TV and he would say, no, I'm watching TV or whatever he was doing. Mm -hmm. And I would, and obviously that made me feel devalued. Yeah. Uh, but then he came back and he said, would say, oh, and whenever I ask her for sex, you know, she doesn't, she's doing her crafting or, she tells me no because of this. She's watching TV too. But in reality, he never even asked. Yeah. So I 
Mm-hmm. You made it seem like we were both being selfish, but yeah. mm-hmm. to me, I didn't even know how to react to that at the time because I didn't realize it was gaslighting. Right. And the therapist, she goes, oh, so both of you are being selfish. And so I, <sighs> wow, what a mind fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, so what am I supposed to do? Just wait around and literally do nothing all day. Just thinking that maybe occasionally he'll come to me and ask me when he wants sex yeah, or just, just be a doll ready and waiting. Right. (laughs) No, neither of those things are, are okay. And again, like I just, I, you know, I, I have this thing, like it's, it's really interesting for, for most of my career. Like, um, there'll be times when, when I'll be talking with my clients and they'll be like, how do you remember all this detail? And I'm like, each of my clients has like a little mini movie reel. Like, like, like I, it's like, I almost see like their lives playing out and, um, and it helps me really connect, right? Like I can almost interject myself into what it would have been like. And I just make up being in my mid twenties, right. Which is for pretty much across the board, um, kind of the height of most people's sexual drive, right. Um, you're a beautiful woman, like y'all, she, um, so I've had many guests who have a pseudonym. This is one of those times. And we are calling her Taylor because she kind of looks like Taylor Swift. And she does like a gorgeous woman. And it just doesn't make sense. Like, I can see you thinking like in in the therapist's office, in your, in your house or your apartment or wherever you were, like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, I'm, I'm a beautiful woman. Like, from from what I know from like this shouldn't be happening. Right. Like I just, mm-hmm. I, I just feel like it would have been so confusing and so hurtful. And also, um, and I, and I don't, I don't know, you have to tell me, but I make up, it would have been really hard to not have had my self-worth diminished through that experience. Right. Like feeling unwanted. Yes, I did feel unwanted. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, why did I even marry you? Because we waited until marriage to have sex and now you don't want to do this with me. This is God's purpose for marriage in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, and just again, like it just wouldn't for in so many ways and so many parts of who you are and the things that you value and what you would expect to be a fulfilling intimate partnership, right? Like we should not have to beg to be loved. Right. Whether Mm -hmm. that's sexually, emotionally, affection, you know, um, communication, right. Like in any of the ways when it gets to that level, um, you know, where we're feeling like we have to beg, there's absolutely something that almost kind of can break in us. Now we can get it back. Absolutely. I think, but that's, it's so, so damaging. Um, now I know that you had said that there are a couple of things specifically that he would say to kind of gaslight you, kind of redirect um, why it was about you or um, what was kind of wrong about you in the situation, why, while y'all weren't being as sexual as maybe is quote unquote normal? Oh, he would say like, I wanted it too much, mm-hmm. um, which I would sometimes ask him every day of the week, but that's because he never gave it to me. Right. So I wanted it and it didn't, that need didn't go away. No, of course not. You're a normal human girl. Of course not. So I would ask every day and he would, then he would say, oh, she wants it every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you never give it to me. (laughs) Right. It makes me think I have a, I have a colleague and good friend who says um, this line. I'll never forget. um, First time she, she told me this line. We're only as needy as our unmet needs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, of course. Of course, right? There's, unless you're asexual, right? Like people want sex. That's just part of being, that's part of the human experience, right? And, um, you know, you, you also told me a couple other things that I think are really important to unpack because I make up some of my listeners have heard uh, similar things. Um, I know for me, one one thing that my ex did um, with with me when I would be in similar situations is if we had a fight anywhere even close to that experience, it would be blamed on that, right? Like, well, I don't want to be sexual with you because I'm still feeling, you know, upset about this thing that happened a week ago <laughs> or whatever, right? Like, and it would be somehow kind of be my fault, right? Like, well, if you hadn't have said this or if you hadn't have done this, then I would want to be with you, 
Did you I ever think experience? For me, it was more in the moment. Okay. It was like I would get upset because he was rejecting me, mm-hmm. and then we would get in a fight, and then he's like, "Of course, I don't want to have sex with you now, yep. because now I'm angry." Yeah. And so I, he, I don't remember him ever really doing uh, fights in the past or mm-hmm. this. Okay. But um, there were two things that I kind of really wanted to get curious with you about a little bit. Um, that you had said to me were some things that happened kind of in this um, category of your relationship. And you told me one thing um, was that, you know, at first you didn't understand that he had a right to say no. But then once you understood that he had a right to say no, you know, that's when you kind of went into the scheduling of it kind of thing. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Am I getting that right? Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about that. Like, did that come just from him? Did that come from in therapy? Because uh, while I while I mostly agree with that statement, like th- it's not like it's not a complete thought for me, if you if you will. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I mean, he had the right to say no for a reasonable reason, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. I don't think he has the right to reject me for our entire marriage. Yeah, but I mean, where did that message but, come from? Was it something that was just implied, or did he actually say that to you? Like. Yeah, he, he, oh, it was like more like something along the lines of you can't expect me to have sex with you. Okay. And, and then what was your other question? Um, and the other one was, um, you told me that you weren't quote unquote allowed to be spontaneous or have passionate sex. Sex was only on his terms. Talk to me a little bit more about that one. Yeah. I mean, anytime I would try, he, I would just get rejected, Okay, you know? It didn't matter what I did. It, he got angry by, you know, rejected me through anger okay. and put up a wall through anger Okay, and really was great at not being emotionally intimate. Okay. Um, and he, and I asked him, I would ask him specifically, you know, am I not allowed to have passionate or spontaneous sex? Right. And he's said no, you know, just flat out. I mean, it's so, it's so like counterintuitive, right? Like I just would be, I can, I can imagine just almost feeling speechless, right? Like I don't even, I don't even know what to say because this is so far out of what I ever would have imagined experiencing in my marriage, but I don't mm-hmm. even know what to say. Yeah. I, and then you can imagine how the betrayal trauma added on because absolutely of the fact that he was going out and getting that from somebody else absolutely and not getting it from the person that he was supposed to be getting yes. it from i i do uh, i am a part of a support group mm-hmm. and uh, many of the women there you know they also have husbands or boyfriends or whoever that are sex addicts mm-hmm. And their boyfriend or husband goes the opposite direction. They want it too much. Okay. Uh huh. And so for them, the sex is not an issue. The fact that they cheated on mm-hmm. their, uh, you know, the husband or boyfriend cheated on them. Mm-hmm. It's not as much an issue as the lying and the uh, gaslighting. Mm, interesting. And for me, mm-hmm. I don't feel that way. I feel extremely betrayed by the sexual part of it because I never got it. Sure. You were deprived. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it's, you bring up an interesting point, right? Because the different ways that, especially when we're, we're going into the realm of, you know, compulsive sexual behavior and any variety of ways, um, it can hit each person so differently, right? Like I've had, um, I've had women who are on the other side of things where, I mean, multiple times per day, their person was asking for sex and they just felt used, right? Like, so that part still was, right? And so it's, it can be like so many different things can, can add to the, um, the trauma that we experience, right? So there's the lies there and there's the gaslighting and then there's the sexual betrayal. And then there, you know, there's, that's why it's called a complex, right? Um, Through the majority of partners who go through this, um, at least for a season, um, will develop what's called complex PTSD, right? So Mm -hmm. um, because it hits all of these different areas, right? 
And so, um, you know, it, it absolutely makes sense. Right. And, and just as an aside, I'm, I'm guessing that you've heard this, but just in case you haven't, right. Like there are different parts of the, um, the cycle that can be the most exciting to an addict, right. When you're talking about, um, you know, the kind of cognitive part of, you know, the planning stage, for example, some, some addicts, like that's where they get their biggest hit right, is when they actually are planning the things instead of the execution of the thing, whereas other people, like, they don't even put any planning into it, they just get the hit through acting out, right. And so there are different parts. And and again, that's why it's, it's, I've, I've told people often, in my years of being a coach is while there's um, a general kind of roadmap of how to heal, we're not cookie cutters. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's not a one size fits all, right? Like each person has a unique story and has a unique component, but kind of bringing it back around to this, you know, this component for you and just the, the deep betrayal by being deprived, right. Of, of yes, the, the sexual intimacy was the most glaring because it's kind of almost the easiest to see. Right. But I make up, you were deprived of other types of intimacy as well. Correct. Oh yeah. I mean, I just got a new roommate and she's one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. And just the first week that I was living with her, I felt more intimate with her emotionally than I had in the last four, however many years within my marriage with my husband, because she is so willing to just do the little things that cause that emotional intimacy. And I didn't really realize all the little things until I had the opposite right staring me in the face. Right. Right. Um, I've, I've often thought about how the season that I spent being single, um, after my divorce, um, and just really cultivating emotional intimacy with my platonic friends, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what intimacy feels like. Like, I, like this is what I was missing all of that time. Like, wow. Um, yeah, I totally, totally get it. And um, and I'm sorry that you went through that. Let's go ahead and, and take this into the deconstruction zone. So um, what I wanted to say for me with what I'm trying to do with this podcast is that I really believe that one of the things that is so important is being able to put a name to things, right? So I think it's incredibly validating and helps our minds find peace, right? We can we can kind of stop searching for the proof that we weren't wrong, we weren't the crazy ones, we weren't wanting too much, et cetera, right? Like it's, it's one thing to say, well, he says this, but I don't feel like it's true versus saying, okay, well, what he did just there was Darvo or what he like being able to put names to things like our brain can be like, oh, okay, now, like now I, now I'm able to connect the dots. Now I can settle down. Now I can like look at the, the parts that will help me protect myself from that in the future, et cetera. Right. But without that naming of things, our brain, I make up doesn't stop. Right. It can kind of be hypervigilant and trying to to find out all of the things. Right. So in that vein, I'm going to name just a few of the things that I hear your ex having done. Right. So I know that you pointed out, um, I think you used a different word. Uh, no, maybe you did redirection. Right. Like there was a lot of redirection. I would also use the word diversion. That was a constant. Like I, in the the other stories that we didn't even go into, because you had quite a few of them, that was a part of it too, right? So that was, it's kind of the sleight of hand, right? Like in my, in my 12 week program, we do this thing um, where I have people watch a a series of magic tricks, because that's kind of what gaslighting can sometimes feel like, right? Where it's like, it's sleight of hand, like watch what I'm doing over here so that you don't see how I'm hiding this thing that allows me to do the magic trick over here, right? It's like Mm. getting your attention off of what is the valid conversation or what is the valid need by redirecting um, or deflecting. I think that's the word that you use was deflecting, right? So that was a constant. I I also make up um, that I think brainwashing was a part of what he did. It's one of the techniques that I teach about. Um, now, it's not like what you see in, you know, the spy movies where people are like, you know, torture and brainwashing, right? It's, it's, this, it's this idea or this concept of when you, every time you ask for something, every time you ask for intimacy, every time you tried to prove why it was a valid um, request or a valid need or a valid desire, and he shot you down and told you that you wanted too much, 
every time it's you hear that repetition too much, too much, too much, too much, we start to, it's almost impossible to not internalize that and start doubting. Maybe I do want it too much. Maybe there's something abnormal with me. Maybe I'm not, you know, doing this enough or maybe, right? Like it's almost impossible because of that kind of brainwashing aspect of it. Right. So I think um, what he did with the brainwashing, and I'm not saying he did it intentionally, that's a whole nother topic, right? But um, I think that it was done via a distortion of the facts, right? Saying like you're not normal or you want too much or that, right? Or exaggerating different things and or criticizing you, right? <laughs> yep. You're hitting it on the nail. Okay. Combined with withdrawal withdrawing himself, withdrawing his affection, right? Like when you would push too hard, I make up, there was some sort of punitive withdrawal. Is that accurate? Yeah. It felt like anytime I asked for intimacy, it was too much. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I, I also heard a little bit of a bit of controlling through maybe coercion. Like you only got what you wanted when you did things his way. Uh, yeah, probably. Probably. Okay. Um, I was also trying to manipulate to get my way. Well, I mean, listen, fair. It's called reactive, you know, it's called a reactive gaslighting. In my opinion, it's the same thing as a reactive abuse. Like when you're being abused, like people can, can lash out back, right? It's reactive. It's not something that you do in, and it's not part of your character. It's not a character defect. It's not something that happens outside of that context, right? So it happens to a large majority of us. So don't shame yourself for that. (laughs) Um, Okay. So that's what I wanted to name about some of the things that he did. But as I do this podcast more and more, one of my main goals is to bring immediate help to my guest. So immediate help to you, right? So today I'm hoping that this little bit of insight that I kind of typed up for you will help you to be anchored into your knowing even more as you move forward and as you try to heal these things. And eventually someday I make up, you want to be in an intimate partnership again, right? So for me, the most empowering thing we can do is be aware of any self-gaslighting that we do. Okay. And that happens for a number of reasons. Not going to go into unpacking that part of it here today. But what I do want to say, I did see you falling into some self-gaslighting, namely in the form of explaining away your gut. Okay, mm. so that's actually self-gassing. I'm going to unpack that a little bit for you. I see you shaking your head. So that, that already immediately mm-hmm. resonates with you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So way back at the beginning, like month four or whatever, right? Um, one of the things that you said in your notes was, because I did not have any reason to distrust him, you believed his, his like, I, I'm going to name it a half-truth. Like they, you, when somebody gives enough of an explanation, it doesn't totally make sense, but it's enough for us to kind of like explain away our gut, right? Mm-hmm. So um, so even though you didn't have a reason to trust him, you didn't have any hard proof or whatever, there was something in your gut that was saying something felt off, yes? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So then you also said, as far as it was with the woman who sent the pictures and all that kind of stuff with the the Fitbit and all that. You said, I didn't know what to believe because his explanation, all of this kind of stuff, right? So again, what I want to point out here, I think it's really important for you and for any of my women listeners specifically, is that we have been told as women, I'm going to try not to get on my, you know, down with the patriarchy platform, but we have been told with women specifically to not trust our feelings, Right. Mm-hmm. Like um, we're moody or we're PMS or any number of reasons why our feelings aren't as reliable as our logic. Mm-hmm. Right. So when we're in a place where our logic and our gut are in conflict, of course, we've been trained, we've been conditioned, we've been gaslit by society into if I'm going to have to choose between my gut and my head, I'm going to choose my head. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. And so then what we end up doing is we fall into these traps of like explaining away why our gut is probably wrong because we don't have the proof, quote unquote, to to back up our gut. Right. So here's what I want to point out. This is a quote from Vicki Tidwell Palmer. Um, and she says that that's actually backwards. So we should start by trusting our gut and allowing it to be proven wrong instead of doubting our gut and looking for evidence to prove it right. Hmm. I like that. Yes. I was like, when I, when I read that for the first time, I'm like, 
why the hell did I not read that? Like, you know, five years ago, like, why am I just finding this now? Right? Like it was so important and has been such a game changer for so many of my clients is like, Oh my gosh, I can do that. Yes. Yes. You can do that. You can start by, by trusting your gut and then putting the onus on the other person to say, you know what? My gut is telling me something is off. Now I'm going to leave room that my gut might be wrong, but you're going to have to prove it wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to start by doubting my gut. I'm going to mm. start by trusting my gut. Okay. That's really good. Good, good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that that hit home and, and resonated with you. Okay. Um, okay. So, and then the last thing um, I wanted to point out is uh, this is a vein of self-gaslighting that I'm super, super passionate about um, is when you, these, these kind of concepts or things that you said when you were like, well, he had a right to say no and I wasn't allowed to this ABC sex had to be on his terms. Um, so this is a little bit different, right? This isn't about choosing head over gut. This is self gaslighting in the form of settling or making concessions. Okay. Mm. So, um, I'm going to take that right into setting our alarm because I have some things I'd like to share with you and my listeners about how we can like be on the lookout for that. Okay. So we started off this episode by mentioning intimacy anorexia. If you feel like some of the things that we've talked about in today's episode that you might also be experiencing them in your relationship, here are some ways that you can set your alarm. So number one, research intimacy anorexia. The term was coined by Dr. Doug Weiss, and I'll have a link in the show notes to get you started. Number two, pay attention to diversion. We talked about that a bit with Taylor here and Darvo, right? Like uh, we've mentioned Darvo. You can Google Dargo. Dargo. You can Google Darvo. Um, pretty soon I'm going to write a blog post on it. Um, all that kind of stuff. Some good stuff. Look out for Darvo. Are you the one being blamed for the issues or is your partner taking responsibility for their part in things? Right. Number three. Pay attention to not just words. Now, Taylor talked about a number of times where um, her ex-husband said he wanted to have sex with her or said he wanted to have connection or closeness, but then he wouldn't follow through. Okay. In addition to that, some people will gaslight by they will they will say it and then they will do it. But then when they do it, they they um, exhibit or exude resentment, right? Like they're doing it only because you want them to do it, but their heart isn't in it. You can tell that their energy is off. So don't just look at words and actions. Look at words and actions and the energy around that, okay? Two more. Number four, ask yourself if you're allowing your head to dismiss your gut, okay? With this one, slow down and connect with your body. What is your body telling you about this situation? And then lastly, and this one is especially for you, Taylor, get real, slow down, give yourself permission, be gentle with yourself, but get real and call out the concessions you're making. So for example, I know we talked about this a little bit and you might not be in the same place you were when you were in your marriage, but, um, does either partner have a right to, quote, say no to sex in a relationship? 100%, right? Um, sex should be consensual. It should never be coerced, all of that kind of thing. But how they say no and what they offer in a place of, you know, in place of that is key, right? Um, so like, for example, in my marriage, we talked about this early on, right? Like how we each wanted the other person to feel free to say that they were, quote, not in the mood, right? Because sometimes we're not. Listen, like sometimes we are and just sometimes we're not. <laughs> this is being human, right? We might be tired. We might have had a really long day. We might be feeling good. Any number of reasons, right? But when that happens, we make it a point to connect in other ways, right? We communicate that uh, we think the other person is desirable, right? And then we follow up with like cuddling and watching TV or sharing about our days and connecting in other ways that that are intimate, right? So it's not just like, nope, sucks to be you. I don't want it. And, you know, fuck you for asking for it again. <laughs> We're like, no, that's not what you, that's not what you do, right? Like, and so that's an example from, from my relationship, but for each person that's different. And so how do we find that? One of the best ways to note if you're making a concession is to ask yourself one or both of the following things, okay? Number one is how would I handle this situation if the roles were reversed, right? So if your partner was asking for sex and you weren't in the mood, like how would you handle the the conversation? Um, Because I am a firm believer in mutuality, 
right? So if I would be willing to do this, or if I'd be willing to say this, I believe we should be able to ask and expect mutuality from our partner, right? If we are not, if we're make, we are likely making a concession. Like if we're going to say, well, I would maybe say, yeah, I don't want to have sex, but you know, I'm willing to, um, you know, cuddle with you or, you know, like let's try to plan a date night and then we can like have a massage or something like that. And things that will, you know, lead us into a place of sexual intimacy. Like I'm excited, like affirming it, like all of these different things, like what would you do? Right. And then set that as your bar. Like I'm not, maybe they'll do it differently, but they need to match my energy and how I'm willing to meet them. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really helpful. Okay, good. And then there was a second one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is, um, so one, ask what, what I do. And the second one is, if I could have the response that I wanted, what would that be? Right? So if mm. you're, um, if you're wanting to be sexual with your person and they're like, babe, I'm, I'm really not in the mood like tonight, what, what would you want them to say from there? What would you want them to do? How would you want them to behave? What would you want their energy to be like? Think about that. Um, and then the follow-up question is if, if I'm willing to do that, why am I settling for a partner who isn't Mm, right? If that's mm -hmm. what I want. And so then the follow-up question, okay, that's what I want. Would I be willing to do that? Heck yeah, I'd be willing to do that. Okay. Well then why am I settling for a person who won't? Mm. But and not a judgmental why, but a curious why, like, what am I afraid of? What, what like values might be in conflict, but asking like, why, why am I willing, why am I willing to lower my bar? Right. A lot of my clients and I will talk about this aspect of, um, like raising, raising and lowering our bar. Like so many of us, our bar for, for where people need to rise up to in order to meet us in relationship is like on the floor, (laughs) right? Like it's really low. Like what we're asking for in relationship is basically don't like betray me. That's a really low bar. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like not, not anymore. Like I help my clients raise their bar. Like, I want mutuality. Mm-hmm. I want affection. I want this. I want that. Right. Um, so in wrapping up, Taylor, how do how do these things hit you? Like what's coming up for you as I shared those tips? Uh, I really haven't heard many people say it in the way that you said it. Okay. And it really makes me want to, you know, do better for myself. Yes. Yes. Woo! <laughs> I love that. I want you to do better for yourself too, darling. You deserve it. You deserve Thanks. it. You do. De- you deserve to be cherished and felt desired in all of the ways. In all of the Thank ways. You. You're welcome. Is there anything you'd like to say to my listeners as we wrap up today? Fight for yourself. Yeah. Because if you are experiencing any of the things that I experienced, you're worth more than that. Yeah. Awesome. So fight for, fight for what you need, fight for a peace in yourself. Love it. It's good. It's good stuff. Well, thank you again so much for being brave and talking about your story with me and my listeners today, Taylor. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. As I wrap up today, I wanted to let you, uh, my listeners know about two things. First, that starting this Friday, I'm going to host a one-hour live stream on TikTok where we will discuss the topic of today's episode. And that's going to be moving forward. So I really want to turn this into a community thing, right? This is going to be a brand new thing that I'll do every week. So every week, I air an episode on Tuesday, that Friday. Come follow me on TikTok. I will host a live stream and we can talk about that topic. So this week's topic will be sexual and emotional and intimacy anorexia and how gaslighting um, is part of that experience. So you want to come find community, ask questions. I invite you to come and find me there. The second thing that I wanted to talk about or mention is that I'm on the verge of both branching out and developing a new way to participate in my 12-week program. So if you want to be kept in the loop and get even more information, tips, and tools, I'm going to be, I'm going to start producing a lot of different videos, informational. Some of them are going to be fun and sassy because I love to let my sassy Sarah come out and play um, on TikTok. So uh, I'd love to invite you to follow me 
I'll be launching that platform very soon. And my handle is Sassy Sarah Deconstructs. And I'll have the link in my show notes. So uh, finally, for today, thank you, my listener, for, li- for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful and want to help me get it in the hands of more people who could benefit from it, please leave a review and subscribe. Additionally, if you can think of one person in specific who could benefit, please share it with them. And remember, it's not about becoming who you want to be. It's about awakening all that you already are. Take it away, Wendy. We got stars in our eyes like diamonds. We got heart in the fuel to light it. Yeah, we burn it up. We got all the magic shot out if you have it. Yeah, we go with the Oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, not today.